You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone, and welcome into NFL Key Predictions. I'm Jordan Black. And then there were four. The conference championships are set following the divisional round with the Bengals, Chiefs, Eagles, and 49ers looking to punch their ticket to the big game. We kick things off in Kansas City, where the health of Patrick Mahomes has played a pivotal role in the betting lines ahead of this matchup, which will see two quarterbacks meet for the second straight playoffs. A year ago, the Bengals were 9-1 to to win it all and sent the Chiefs home disappointed on their way to Cincinnati's first Super Bowl appearance in 33 years. Last postseason also marked the Bengals' first playoff appearance in 31 years. Joe Burrow has been the difference in turning this franchise around, a franchise that also made the bold decision to draft the signal caller's top college-wide receiver, Jamar Chase, two seasons ago, a move that created one of the most potent pairings in the NFL. Andy Reid and the Chiefs rested on the system and the talent of Patrick Mahomes to overcome losing Tyreek Hill to Miami this past offseason, and the results suggest this team simply knows how to win and stay productive on the offensive side. Travis Kelsey has been the reliable resource once again, and the emergence of Isaiah Pacheco makes Kansas City a dangerous out, especially at home. With the Bengals on the road and a one-point spread combined with an over-under 47, we could be in for a classic AFC battle that may find both defenses front and center in key moments for better or for worse. James Rapian and Jake Lisko from Locked on Bengals. Join Ryan Tracy and Chris Clark from Locked on Chiefs to break down the AFC championship for us. At this point, there's a bit of a divisional feel to it, right? Fourth time mm-hmm. in two years. And, and I think this is an interesting storyline to things where these teams are, for non-division opponents, playing each other a lot. Yeah, I agree. And, and I agree with you because uh, I, I think the preparation has changed. I, I don't think Carlos Dunlas can expect to be unblocked in a goal line situation again, you know, that's not going yeah. to happen again. And, and you maybe have to don't say, call the jet sweep to Trent Taylor there next time. Maybe not just saying, but you know, everybody learns, you got to try it out, right? It's, it's especially when you have this kind of back and forth, like there's always little looks, you got to keep exploring how you can exploit your opponent. And I, I get that, but I do think it's going to be tougher in the trenches. Can they, can they do something on the chief side that they haven't shown yet? It's been a very, very controlled game plan and how much they let out of the bag on both sides of the ball. Andy's always got a deep bag of tricks on the offensive side, but Spag has not done a ton that you haven't seen him do year after year. So there is something coming. I just can't tell you what it is. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. The last matchup that I think is interesting to me in this game that we haven't talked about, obviously there's there's the return of Kadarius Tony. There's dealing with Travis Kelsey. These are the same as they've always been. Uh Kadarius Tony, not so much. Travis Kelsey, the same as ever. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, still the same quarterback that he's been for this year. Mobility questions. There should be another contained plan for the Bengals there. So just for, for the Bengals' perspective of things, something that I've been talking about a lot that maybe Chiefs locked on Chiefs fans haven't heard, uh, is there's been a great contain pass rush plan from the Bengals. All the On all the occasions they've played against Patrick Mahomes, he's averaging one attempt less outside of the pocket against the Bengals than he is against other teams. He's not performing as well from outside of the pocket against the Bengals as he is against other teams. You're seeing a a reduced efficiency as well, where he's holding the ball longer 
he's holding the ball 0.3, 0.4 seconds longer against the Bengals than he does against other teams across those three games. So these are things that, you know, is changing the look. It's the drop eight stuff. It's the, the pass rush plan and the execution of that plan to try to contain Mahomes and not let him be really evasive outside of the pocket. But one of the big differences in this game versus the last game that I wanted to talk about was the return of Joe Tooney, where I think that was a bit of an issue for the Chiefs when these teams played last time. And I do still think Trey Hendrickson is an advantage against Orlando Brown for the Bengals. But that interior offensive line for the Chiefs and the run game, to me, are big X factors in this game. Well, and if you hit the nail on the head, yes, Tooney's return is significant, but it doesn't alleviate the bigger problem of the outside pass rush on the left-hand side. And it doesn't alleviate the fact that despite having what I think is the best interior three in football, Andy Reid doesn't run down the middle. He's mm. not going to take advantage of that. He just doesn't want to do it unless he has to. I will give credit that rookie Pacheco has really, I think, made him think twice about giving him a little bit more run. It's still going to be heavy inside zone. We'd like to see them run more power because we think that helps the running back. Uh, me and my, and my crew over on uh, Rogue ABC and NFL 33, we break down all the film every week, and we've been begging for this for, I don't know, three years, but certainly the last six weeks. Yeah. Will they uncork it against the Bengals? I think that's a significant plus because the, you can have all the debate that you want about whether the running game actually affects the outcome of games or not. In the end, the physicality thing, they, that's something the Chiefs come up short in. I think we'll talk about that probably in the next segment because I think it's more significant than just this particular run game. But if they can do that, you have to protect Mahomes because those outside-the-pocket throws are likely not going to be part of the plan this week. It's going to be a pocket pass. And I think that's something that not only the Chiefs trying to get their heads wrapped around, I think the Bengals have to as well. Yeah, I think that you're, you're on to something there. And that's interesting, the – lack of, of taking advantage of those interior offensive linemen because they are great. And and Creed Humphrey did a really good job against DJ Reader too, who's been an absolute force yeah. for the Bengals in their running game. Before we get to predictions, Ryan, real quick, I just wanted to open the floor for you for X factors. To me, the run games for both teams, keeping these offenses on schedule, especially if Mahomes is limited in terms of his mobility and that limits his game at all, which I think a big part of his game is his mobility. I still think he's a really good quarterback on half of a leg and a half or whatever it is, but <laughs> um, keeping the offense on schedule, keeping the offense in, you know, second and five, third and two, instead of third and eight for both teams, while they're both very capable of converting third and long, it's just better for efficiency to a avoid third downs altogether with good first down running efficiency and B staying in third and shorts. Uh, what else is there? That, that people aren't maybe thinking about because everyone's thinking about the passing offenses and sure. you know can can the Chiefs secondary deal with the Bengals weapons and what's going to happen with Patrick Mahomes can the Bengals again limit his effectiveness his efficiency what else what else what's the story that people aren't thinking about from the Chiefs perspective the number one thing is is strategy how do you go about this game is it business as usual We've seen the Chiefs lose to this team three times in a row by trying to do their normal thing of move the ball early, look for your deep shot, try to limit them enough, and just outscore them by a couple of points to get a W, right? That stuff doesn't work. we got to throw that out the window, especially with Patrick's injury. It's got to be tempo and design. you got to get the ball out. It has to be quicker, like you mentioned in the last segment. When you're holding it an extra fourth, four-tenths of a second against this particular team, you're doing something wrong. 
and that's only accentuated by the injury. So it's got to be the quick hitters, and no offense to anybody, Lou or otherwise, you want to run drop eight, there's still holes in that defense. You have to identify and attack them. They do that with efficiency. They get off the run. You supplement by running the ball a little bit, you're in business. I think that's the thing. It's the mental side. I'm not as worried about the ankle as I am about the understanding how you have to adapt to the ankle. And then, obviously, being able to see what's in front of you. What did the Bengals choose to do this time? The quick game would be such an interesting answer. If the, if, if Andy Reid just says, you know what, we're going to hit the back foot, the, the ball's coming out. Because that's what the Bengals offense has done lately. Yep. Do it to a significant degree what you've seen the Bengals do, especially the last couple of weeks where they've had injuries on the offensive line, is the ball's coming out lightning fast. And you know that Patrick Mahomes is processing at a level that's comparable, equal, better, whatever it is. It's in the ballpark of Joe Burrow. Part of his superpower is his ability to see the field, is his field vision, is his ability to understand coverages, regardless of what whatever funny stories there were a couple of years ago about him not knowing coverages. Wasn't that a thing? A ridiculous <laughs> thing? Am I, am I remembering that correctly? No, no, you have it right. It, it's shocking, but it's there. Yeah. So the quick game would be a fascinating answer. And then what do you do if you're the Bengals to deal with that? I, I still think it's a drop eight. To be honest, you try to get guys into the throwing lanes. You try to make him pull down from that first read, try to figure out where he wants to go with that first read, take that away. But you're right. I mean, when, when these teams meet, it is it is consistently such a an interesting battle of wits between the coaches. Ryan, I don't remember if you're a prediction guy. I am not a score prediction guy, so we might be wanting for predictions here a little bit. But <laughs> no, I'll give it's, you one. It's been three in a row. For the Bengals against the Chiefs. They did it last year in Arrowhead. It was it was a another second half. Last year before this game in the AFC Championship, you know what I said? I said, you're not going to hold Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs to three points in the second half twice. And, uh, and? then the Bengals went and did that. <laughs> the Bengals have been a great second half defense this year as well with Lou Anarumo getting a lot of credit for adjustments. How do you see this game going? You know, I think it comes back to taking the opportunity that's there. And the one thing that everything we talked about last, and certainly this, the other X factor that's in this game is the physical part. And this is why I think those three-point halves have come back to back. And normally I would say, you're right, there's no way that repeats itself. But until you you take it, and, and I really, I may be out on a limb here in terms of coverage for, for Chiefs Kingdom, but I see this as, as a as the big brother situation. I don't think the Bengals are a bully. They're just your big brother that likes to knock you around a little bit. Until you go back at them and bring that level of physicality, which the Chiefs have not done in these last three games, you got to run the ball. You got to attack them. You got to put them on the ground. I need five Trey Smiths out there on offense. That's yeah. what I have to have. And if that does happen, then I think they're able to keep it to the point that it is neck and neck like it's been. You control the turnovers. I think you're right there. I won't go out on a limb. I think the last team with the with the ball probably wins it. I will tell you it ends up 31-30 Kansas City. Yeah, and I, of course, would expect nothing less from a host of Locked On Chiefs. I mean, you can't, you can't pick against the guys you've nah. been covering in the AFC Championship game. I, I get that. Look, I, I think that there's no reason that this game will be terribly different from the other games these teams have played. I, I think no team has any reason to be afraid of the other team. These teams are not going to back down from one another. I think that 
There are some very interesting matchups. Jamar Chase has been a bit of a nightmare for Kansas City, right? And Trey Hendrickson this year, a bit of a terror in, in the regular season game. He's dealing with a broken wrist, too, that he's been playing through mm. for three weeks now, four weeks now. So uh hasn't seemed to diminish his effectiveness too much, I and mean, they've seen some guys step up in the defensive trenches, too. The, the trench battles will be interesting. The X's and O's battles will be interesting, and we'll have more as we prepare for this game on Lockdown Bengals and Lockdown Chiefs. We'll have game previews, of course, coming up. We'll have you covered after the game as these teams, once again, will duke it out for AFC supremacy and a trip to the Super Bowl. Ryan Tracy, thanks for joining us from Lockdown Chiefs. I'm Jake Lisko from Lockdown Bengals. This has been the AFC North Lockdown NFL crossover on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Well, the NFL playoffs are here, and we are so excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sports book in America. That's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. That's what I love. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. So just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. It'll be a coast-to-coast matchup in the NFC Championship game as San Francisco travels east to take on the number one seed Philadelphia Eagles. Perhaps the NFL public put a little too much stock in the late season showings for the Eagles, who, after a dominant performance round, look in prime form to advance to the Super Bowl, seeking to capture their second franchise title. Jalen Hurts needed to do very little in the blowout of New York, allowing the one-two punch of Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders to rumble for over 200 rushing yards combined. Now, however, would be a good time for the Eagles quarterback to show that his shoulder injury is in the rear view and let A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith help stretch that 49ers D. For San Francisco, the darling story of Brock Purdy continues, and of course the 49ers defense has helped them arrive at the NFC title game. A week ago, Dak Prescott threw two interceptions as Dallas managed just 12 points against those guys. If Christian McCaffrey can provide the performance he supplied in the wildcard win over Seattle, and Nick Bosa can lead that vaunted defense once again, this one has all the makings of a throwback physical battle. With the over-under set at 46, how that two-and-a-half-point spread favoring the Eagles plays itself out will all be determined on Sunday afternoon. Brian Peacock from Locked on 49ers joins Louis DiBiase and Gino Camilleri from Locked on Eagles to preview the NFC title bout. Kruk, is there a certain matchup that, that you're really looking at in this game for the 49ers that they can either take advantage of or that you're maybe a little worried about? Yeah, well, Hassan Reddick, he's been a high sack guy. and That's someone who I don't even think we've really mentioned his name on the pod today. But, you know, how does he match up against either Trent Williams or or Mike McGlinchey, and we saw Mike McGlinchey get beat with power, and that was something I was worried about. Even going into the Cowboys game, I'm like, you know, McGlinchey has been good down the stretch, but he struggles with sometimes with his leverage because he's so tall and guys get none there. They just kind of lift him where he gets off balance at times. So Hassan Reddick, this is a high sack guy. It, does he win more with speed? Because he's not the biggest guy. He was kind of a tweener when he was coming out of college. I believe he came out of Temple, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. And he was kind of an outside linebacker slash uh, edge and off-ball guy. And they weren't quite sure what to do. Clearly, he's found his home as a uh, pure pass rusher. But 
Can he win with power? He does have that element to him because he has such an explosive first step. And, and the thing about Hassan is he's so flexible that he does play low into his pads and he can get underneath the chest of that offensive line. But I would say if you're looking at a guy who would be more of that power type rusher off of the edge, you're going to look at his counterpart in Josh Sweat who plays better with speed to power where Hassan, Reck is, Hassan Reddick is more of a true speed guy. He'll beat you with two-way goes. He'll bend in corner around the backside. But Josh Sweat, his arm arms are so long and he's so powerful in his core and in his lower half that he is just just pancake guys and Brandon Graham has been the guy that has taught him everything and Brandon Graham that's what he was brought up on so they just continue to put in edge rushers that have multiple different tricks up their sleeve and that's the way I look at it with the Niners and Eagles how are both of these teams going to deploy their edge rushers against these tackles because much like you said with Mike McGlinchey the problem with Jordan Maialata is he struggles against these speed guys. There's some clips last year against Hassan Reddick where he's getting beat because, much like Mike McGlinchey, this guy's six foot nine, three hundred and thirty-five odd pounds, sure. trying to bend each way is going to be difficult. So you're going against an elite type of bender, Nick Bosa. I mean, both of these guys are going to win some matchups. Like that's just how it is. Elite players sometimes beat very good to borderline elite players in and of themselves. So you talk about Hassan Riddick, you talk about Bosa, both of these guys can win in different ways. I think it's going to be what coordinator takes advantage of matching those guys up with the correct offensive linemen. It's it's so important to get the running game going, too. So you don't have Brock Purdy dropping back with third and longs, right, against a, mm. a team that had 70 sacks during the season. Really weird how well they were able to get home and collect sacks, too, because they didn't lead the league in pressures, but they were way out in front in sacks. It's, it's sort of a, a weird anomaly with the uh, with the with this the the sack numbers for that Philadelphia Eagles defense. And then looking back at um, at Nick Bosa, he actually had two sacks against the Eagles the last time these teams played, which is, is been a little bit a little while now but he beat jordan mylotta and actually oddly enough he beat him with the bull rush and it kind of like sat him down it was a pretty mm -hmm. impressive rush and his other sack came on the other side but it wasn't against lane johnson they tried to one-on-one -on -one him with the tight end that did not go well for the eagles so uh, i wonder if you know we could see somebody finally get to lane johnson since he's banged up since it is the defensive player of the year most likely, uh, we think at least, uh, in, in Nick Bosa there. So that's going to be a heck of a battle when they do get in those third and longs. And yeah, it's important to have a spy there on Hertz too, because those are the backbreakers when you've got everybody covered, you got the team in third and long, and then Jalen Hurts just scrambles out of the pocket and converts that first down. Th those are the, the backbreakers, and, and those are the kind of plays I'm worried about against the 49ers. I would say that with Brock Purdy too, because a lot of what goes hand in hand with those sacks is being so aggressive upfield. And one thing that teams have been able to kind of pick the, apart the Eagles with is if they go too far north upfield, you break contain. Well, there's your window right there. And the Eagles have done a good job with their linebackers protecting that and spilling things out. But I would say Brock Purdy, he's athletic enough to get the job done. But the formula for the Niners, I think it's very simple. Go back to that Washington game where the Commanders beat the Eagles in the middle of the season. If you could possess the football, control time of possession, and put Brock Purdy in that offense in third and short situations where, like you said, he's not in third and seven, third and eight, where he can be susceptible to being sacked. If they get you in third and two where they can beat you with play action, beat you with Kyle Juszczyk just leaking out into the flat or just George Kittle on a quick slant.
that's where the Niners kill you, in my opinion. I think if you play into the Eagles' hands, it will be in those third and eight situations because Jonathan Gannon, first down, he wants to stop the run. Second down, he wants to keep you from gaining five yards. And if he can keep you from gaining five yards, he's going to go after you on third down. So if you want to counteract that, put yourself in short third down situations where I think ultimately that's the worst case scenario for the Eagles come Sunday. It's so funny. You start to talk to yourself in circles too, because I'm thinking, okay, because you got to you got to establish the run, quote unquote. If you're mm-hmm. the 49ers, you got to be able to run the ball to keep yourself in in third and shorts and, and stay in front of the sticks. But then they're expecting the run on first down, so you might need to throw the ball a lot on first downs. But you don't want to throw the ball too much because you don't want to be in second and ten situations. So you need to run the ball. So uh, I mean, I'm glad I'm not in charge of coordinating the. Yeah, offense. imagine Shanahan and Shane Steichen and all those guys right now. They have to be going yeah. absolutely insane because. The one thing that I look at with Shanahan is he's going to take the coverage rules of Jonathan Gannon and he's going to try and counteract them to use them to his advantage. So this is the ultimate matchup of chess. Who is going to go out there and use their opponent's rules against them to the best of their abilities? And that's when football's at its best because you're going to see the Niners get the best of the Eagles sometimes. You're going to see the Eagles get the best of the Niners. But ultimately, it comes down to who wins those situations the most often because we know these teams are probably going to be similar when it comes to converting third downs and maybe both teams can force a turnover but it's just going to come down to situational football who converts in the red zone who's able to get those third and short situations and continue the drive who wins time of possession football's a very very difficult sport but when you boil it down it's pretty simple do the little things well and you're going to win a football game and I think that's what got both of these teams to rate where they are, have good play in the trenches, have playmakers on the outside and have a quarterback that puts you in a position to win. We'll see who gets there this Sunday. Croc, you have a prediction for Sunday. Has anything Gino said changed your mind about what your prediction would have been? No, I, you know, I think this is a game and I felt like it with the Dallas Cowboys game where it's like, man, this is kind of two teams that, that are really good. And, you know, I favor the 49ers in that matchup. This one I think is even more evenly matched. You know, I talked about the Cowboys not being the toughest of teams. Well, Philadelphia, they're definitely tough. They're definitely physical. They're definitely going to bring that. So I hope that it doesn't come down to uh, which quarterback makes more plays because I would tend to lean more to, in favor of Philadelphia Eagles, what Jalen Hurts is going to do. Um, I say, you know what, uh, I'm throwing something out there. Hurts is going to throw a pick, and that's going to give the 49ers a slight edge, and somehow they win. But uh, obviously, this is going to be a really tight game, and we'll be surprised if it goes either way, which is, of course, what you expect when it comes to an NFC Championship game. Absolutely. Gino, what do you think? How's this going to go? I have to agree. I mean, I said it with the Giants game. I thought it was going to be a lot closer than it was. This one for sure is going to be a lot closer than that matchup. This should be a great game, both on offense and defense for both teams. Whoever gets to the Super Bowl deserves it. I don't know who is ready for this this moment, but Jalen Hurts has been bred for this moment since he was in high school. He's played high stakes games ever since he was coached by his dad in high school. He goes to Alabama, plays in multiple SEC championships, multiple big time title games, goes to Oklahoma, competes in the playoffs. The 
the kid just proves me wrong time and time again. And every time I think he's going to prove me wrong, he goes out there and just wins a football game. And until he proves me wrong, I can't say otherwise. I think it's a three-point game. I think San Fran covers that fan duel minus two-and-a-half point line in favor of the Eagles. Could come down to a last-second field goal where the Eagles make a stop at the end, keep San Fran out of field goal range. 27-24, I'm going with the same scores I had last week. Yeah, I like taking the points on this one. I'm going to give my official prediction on tomorrow's episode of Locked On 49ers. So the listeners have that to look forward to. But I have a feeling this is going to be a tight one, just like the last time Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy went head-to-head in a 42-41 battle at Oklahoma against Iowa State. Uh, That was a fantastic one, and I hope this game is just as good. Gino, always a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks again, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers and Locked On Eagles your first listens right here on the Locked On podcast network blink and you just might have missed some of the epic moments and critical plays that make up the nfl conference title games with only one prize on the line and just four teams on the field the joy or agony coming out of this weekend will stick with these players and fans well beyond this weekend each and every week for one more week we'll continue to bring you all of the insight and analysis from across our locked on network thank you so much for being here this week i'm jordan black and this has been nfl key prediction You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.